0: Who wants more ideal clients in their inbox and signing contracts? That's what I thought. If only wishing made it happen. The reality is that ideal clients are actually pretty hard to get if hope is your strategy. That's why I asked the one and only Katie Taylor Jacobson to join me today in a conversation about what makes an ideal client besides one with a big budget. How do you attract them in the first place? Why do they want to connect with your brand? And how to deal with behind-the-scenes decision makers who are less than ideal. Oh, Yeah. And we're also going to share some information about our new mastermind, Social and Sway co-created with Persephone and her team at the Media Socialites. You can get more information about that at socialandsway.com. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales pricing and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I have booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets Now, I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Okay, audience, you are in for a treat today. I have brought the one and only... Catherine Elizabeth Steffes Taylor Jacobson onto the podcast to have a conversation with me. I was able to get her away from all of her editing duties and her writing duties so that she could have a conversation with me about how to attract and book more ideal clients. Katie, thank you so much for giving us the time today.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to flip the script and interview you for a change.
0: Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, if you're new to the podcast, Katie is my beloved wife, uh, business partner, better half and uh copywriter extraordinaire. Katie, you got your start back in college in journalism, right? Correct. And so you wanted to be Barbara Walters one day.
1: I did. I did. I thought I was going to be a broadcast journalist. I totally think I have that in my wheelhouse. You know, I, I think I've got a, a voice for it. I think I, I kind of think I have a face for it. Do you remember the movie Broadcast News?
0: Yeah, kind of. I mean, I I know the name. I remember maybe a couple of the actors. I don't think I ever watched it.
1: Anyways, I just that's what I thought I was going to do, but alas, that did not happen. Instead, I became a uh director of events for a luxury hotel. <laughs> Very, like a super big right turn. And now back to sort of my roots, my journalism roots by leading our copywriting team.
0: Well, if you had the voice and the face for broadcast journalism, I've always had a bit of a radio face, which is why I think that I do so well with my podcast.
1: That is not true. That is not true. You're very handsome.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you think so. That's, you're the only one that matters.
1: (laughs) True. Yes. (laughs)
0: So today we're going to talk about how to attract and book more ideal clients. And, you know, I do three different types of podcast episodes. I do the kind where I just talk directly myself and it's just me. I do one where I interview somebody who's an expert in a particular field like finance or social media or whatever it might be. Uh, And then the third kind where I interview, you know, a, a big name in the industry who's had pretty good success, wild success, actually, with their business and get into their head about what it's like to own the business and how they got there in the first place. Maybe this is the fourth kind where somebody interviews me on my own podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I'm excited. I think really, and and I think it's a good format because I think, you know, people want to hear from you and hear your thoughts on things. And so I'll just ask you some questions and see what you have to say about it.
0: All right. Let's do it. Hit me with your best question.
1: I was saying, and I might pepper in a few of my own thoughts as well. We'll see.
0: Good. Do it. I hope so.
1: Okay. So first question for you, I actually get asked this quite a bit. Like what exactly does ideal client mean? And and if I should have like used air quotes, but I realized that a lot of people aren't going to actually see me do this, but truly like what does ideal client mean?
0: You know, I got to tell you when I first started doing coaching and consulting work in December of 16, I remember having a conversation with somebody who said, "You know, let me know when you get your ideal client, and I'll help you figure out ways to get there." And I remember thinking, like, "Oh, ideal client, ideal client—it's all nonsense. Like, any client who's got money to spend is ideal in my book." And I, th- I think that's the case for a lot of wedding pros or any you know business owner when they first start out. They're like, Just, "I'll take anything that helps me pay the bills and gives me comfort at night so that I don't stay awake." But at some point, we start moving towards the kind of client that we prefer working with. Money, I think, is always a component of an ideal client, but there are other components that are important as well. Other criteria. One of them, I think, is the the personality of the person that you are working with. You know, w- we tend to get along with people who are uh, like us or share uh, you know similar approaches to life or interests, uh, ways of communicating. Uh, Sometimes we're aware of these similarities. Other times we're not. They're just subconscious, non-conscious. But when we find people who are like us, who are easy to get along with, all of a sudden, it's that much easier and more fun to work with them. The third criteria, in addition to money and personality, is the style or the the feel, vibe of the project that you're working on. We all want to do things that are in our creative wheelhouse or that you know, challenge us technically and, and interest us, especially if we've been in business for a long time. I feel like we, we end up trying to find projects that are going to force us out of our comfort zone just enough to make it interesting. So I really look at an ideal client matching those three criteria, their ability to pay your price, their ability to get along with your personality, and then the project's ability to fit within your portfolio in a way that's going to make you proud.
1: So should a wedding professional expect to find, have all of their clients sort of match that profile? Should they look to have, you know, 50% of them, 75% of them? Is there a percentage they should kind of be looking for or tell me about that?
0: I mean, it'd be great if, you know, it'd be ideal if every client was ideal. (laughs) You know, I mean, that would be that'd be magic. That's the fantasy. And, And I think for some people, it could be, you know, we we work with a lot of wedding professionals who are at the top of the game. They've been in business for a very long time. They have super strong brand recognition. And, you know, for instance, we have one planner that we work with, who we've done coaching and copywriting for. And she and her company have 600 inquiries a year. And out of those 600, she only needs six to book. So she can afford to be incredibly selective with who she chooses to work with. She can literally say no or have 99 out of 100 people say no to her. And that's great because she's just looking for one in 100 to be her client. And so the chances are that she can probably find six ideal clients. Mm. But I think a, a lot of wedding professionals are not in that position. They're not getting 600 inquiries a year. I mean, 600 inquiries a year is a lot. We're talking like that's what 12 a week. And, and I don't know a lot of people who are getting 12 inquiries a week. So I think a lot of it has to do with the amount of demand you have on your business. So the more, Clients, period, you attract the more opportunity you have to get ideal clients. I, you know, I think, and I, I remember I, I went through and did statistics when I was a uh, freshman in college, I think, and it was open book, open note, and I still only managed to get a B plus in it. So, I, you know, I'm not a statistics, uh, you know, ex, expert, but what I can tell you is that the concept of a bell curve applies to so many different um, uh, uh, places in your business. And I think that the, the percentage of people who are coming into your inbox is likely to fit a bell curve where you've got the average client, you know, not awful, but not amazing is going to be the person that you're going to see the most. And so, you know, if you go through and you look at one standard deviation away from the middle, you're going to find that two thirds of the people who inquire are going to fit within that. And so most of your clients are going to be average clients. And, and you know, maybe one-sixth of them will be ideal and one-sixth will be, ooh, I wish I wouldn't have said yes to that person. And, and two-thirds of them will be kind of in the middle. That's the way that things distribute typically along a bell curve. And so while we want to look for ideal clients, I think that we need to recognize that it's not always going to be ideal and we've got to find ways to work with them.
1: So if you're an event professional, how do you go about, finding, attracting that ideal client?
0: Well, the first thing that you've got to do is you got to know what your ideal client looks like. And it's amazing. Most people don't know what they want. Took me years of therapy to go through and to recognize that. I remember going in to see my therapist and... And, and I'd come in and I'd go down to her office and I'd walk in the door and she'd say, hi, Sam, it's so good to see you. And I'd say, you know, you too. And we, you know, she'd ask me, would you like something to drink? And I would say, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And she would say, okay, well, what do you want? I said, well, tea, you know, I don't drink coffee anymore since I, I quit smoking. This is many, many years ago. And she's like, okay, great. What kind of tea do you want? I said, I don't know. You pick, I'm fine with whatever. And she would make me choose the tea that I wanted. And we did this song and dance for months. And I remember at one point, there was a bit of a breakthrough in something. And she said to me, she said, you know, Sam, you can't even figure out what kind of tea you want. How do you know what you want to do with your life? And I was like, wow, okay, like go ahead and just, you know, punch me in the throat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but I, I, I say that uh, in, in this case, because I think that we oftentimes know what we don't want. In life with our business, with, you know, whatever it is that we're in, we know what we don't want. That's easy for us to decide. It causes us pain and we're like, please, no more pain. Or maybe we, we know what we like that we see elsewhere. That's like mimetic desire, right? We, it's easy for us as humans to look around us and go, Oh, I want that too. But when we sit down and we actually spend time by ourselves going through what it is that we want or need in life it's really hard if we come from a place that's different from I don't want that or I see what everybody else is doing and I want that too so sit down and figure out what do you want what is your ideal client what kind of money is important to you for your business's success what kind of people do you get along with the best and what are those characteristics? What kind of projects do you want to work on in the coming 12 to 18 months? Sit down and and figure out what that looks like. And, and then you go through and you start to do research on your favorite clients who match that profile. And you can just go through and you can you know look at your last 12 to 36 months and look at your client list and pick out which projects, which couples that you worked with, match that profile from price, personality, and portfolio. And then you start to research everything you possibly can about those people.
1: So when you say research everything you can about those people, are you saying like you go like on their LinkedIn or their Facebook or their Instagram? Do you recall things they shared with you during the the project? or Or is there some other method of kind of Uh, uncovering information about them that we should be doing?
0: I think you can do all of those things. They all help. You know, you're looking at getting a bunch of data points and trying to figure out a way to connect the dots. What I'd recommend doing, and I I learned this in a a class that I took in the Applied Behavioral Economics Program that I'm a part of at Texas A&M, that in this course I took called Experimental Design, I learned that for market research and understanding qualitative Characteristics of your ideal client. You need somewhere between eight and twelve data points. After that, you get you know diminishing returns, and less than that, you don't get enough um, you know information to create any kind of consistency or accuracy in the in the information. So eight to twelve is an ideal number, and I would come up with you know probably fifteen to twenty people that you would want to reach out to. Uh, That way, you can get eight to twelve. And we've done this with. You know, 300 plus clients of ours with our company. We do this for our clients and we we send out, you know, questionnaires to get this information. And I think our return rate is like 60, 65%. So if we send it out to 10 people, we might get six or seven people to respond. So if you want eight to 12, you got to send, you know, maybe, you know, 18, 20 uh, uh, questionnaires out. And you want to ask questions of those those clients those ideal clients that match based on price personality and portfolio questions that get inside of their head so yes you want to go to linkedin yes you want to go to their instagram but you really want to ask questions that are going to give you the kind of psychographic information uh, about what was important to them emotionally uh what were their desires and concerns because ultimately that's what you're seeking is what triggers them to desire your service what triggers them to feel like they have a big enough problem where there's urgency in saying yes and if you ask you know even just six to eight good questions you're going to find the information that you need directly from the source your ideal clients
1: okay so just to clarify so psychographic information so digging into the desires concerns Motivations of the client, correct?
0: Yep, absolutely. Psychographics, ethographics to be involved in there—the values and beliefs, what's important to them. Um, you know, what do they what do they value? What what you know what makes them tick? What 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 do they love? What do they hate? Based off of um, you know their their morals.
1: Okay, so as it relates to your particular vendor category, um, asking them their very targeted questions about what they do want uh, for their wedding day or their event day. Um, and I heard you say this and I, and I know this obviously, but y- you recommend sending this as a questionnaire, like putting something together in like survey monkey or type form, and then sending that out to the client, correct?
0: Yep, very, absolutely. Very easy to do. It doesn't have to be, or you can put them in an email if you want to, whatever it is, just make it easy and interesting for people to fill out. Shouldn't take more than, you know, five to 10 minutes max. And, and, you know, don't send over something that's got like 40 questions in it. People get overwhelmed. And they won't, they won't submit the form. So, you know, we, we, we want to make sure that we're not overwhelming them with questions that are too difficult or, or a high, you know, number of questions.
1: And then what do you do with that information? Cause it, you're going to get a ton of information back, but what do you do with it?
0: Well, ultimately, at the end of the day, your business exists to solve problems for clients. And the problems that they have are that they want less bad things to happen or more good things to happen. They, they want you to provide a painkiller or to provide joy in some way for their lives. And so that's why, they, that's why there's an exchange of money. You give them a service that meets those needs and they compensate you for them based on the value that it contributes to their life. And so as we're thinking about these problems, we want to come up with solutions. And so you identify the biggest desires and concerns. And then on the other side, for each one of those big desires and big concerns, you come up with the perfect solution that addresses those desires and those concerns. And you can literally write down the biggest desires and concerns, you know, pick four, five, six of them. Uh, you can write those down on, on one side of a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, and and then on the other side of the paper on the other side of the line, just write down what does your business do to satisfy that need that they have. And that then becomes your perfect solution. This is what I do to meet those needs. So, like as an example, for us as a company, You know one of the things that our clients want is they want to know how to create a sales process that doesn't get them ghosted or or books more ideal clients that's it's either less bad or more good right stop getting ghosted or book more ideal clients and so our perfect solution is that we help you design a sales process a buying experience that's based on the way human beings make decisions when going through and doing complex purchases right that's our perfect solution And so we would go down to the next problem that our clients have, you know, they're not getting enough inquiries. Okay, well, how can we resolve that? We have a website based on conversion copywriting that takes more people who are already landing on your site and delivers them to your inbox so that you can start the sales process. And so on down the line, you would want to do that same thing, whether you're a photographer a stationer, a videographer, planner, DJ, whatever, you would go through and you would do that exercise with four, five, six big desires and concerns to come up with those same perfect solutions that match.
1: And then what do you how do you communicate those to the the buyers that are coming to your website or coming to your social media?
0: So it it's it's pretty complex, frankly, to, to do that. Um, you know you you have all the information there. The question is what do you do with that? And when you're going through and communicating, you have to do it in you know direct and indirect ways so ultimately you're going to do that through photos and videos and copy you know it's going to be all throughout your your buyer's journey it could be from you know newsletters and blog posts uh, even the what you say to people who are potential referral partners it's in your social media for sure you know what you choose to post images and even captions that you write on your website, throughout your sales... I mean, it's everywhere. When people talk about messaging, that's really what this is. Communicating your perfect solutions is what messaging really means. It's what your brand stands for. It's what your brand does for your consumers. And so you're taking those perfect solutions to the desires and concerns that will attract your ideal client. And you're now putting those messages out into the universe through all of the different channels that you have. And eventually when you hit people enough with the same kind of message over and over and over again, directly, but mostly indirectly, they're going to start to warm up to that understanding that you offer a perfect solution to the thing that they know that they need, or now know that they need that you've communicated to them.
1: So we've talked about ideal clients, what do you do with those not so ideal clients when they show up in your inbox or slide into your DM?
0: Well, so if if you get an ideal client, then you look at the opposite and it's gonna be, you know, a, a flawed client or you know, or an imperfect buyer versus a perfect buyer. And I think you wanna stay away from those that are on the other end of the spectrum. If you can, if you get red flags, if your gut is telling you, you know what? they like they can afford me they got a a bunch of money in the account and look millionaires may not be your ideal client let's be clear just because somebody's got a lot of money doesn't mean that you want to work with them they could be jerks they could be just a bad personality fit in general maybe their style is completely different i remember when i worked at todd events we we had a lot of interest for people who wanted to do you know a garden style you know design and that just wasn't todd's wheelhouse and we would have to turn those guys down because even though they had money, it wasn't the style that we were expert at as a company. And so, if you find that you are working with or could be working with a flawed buyer, and you are getting red flags from personality or or the the style that they're hoping for, I, I would I would seriously consider not working with that that person because it may end up not just being a bad experience f- for you, but it could detract. From the time and energy and optimism that you have in working with other people, it might jade you, you know, your, your other clients might do the time for somebody else's crime and, and that that's not fair to them. So if you, if you see that there's a bad fit, you know, a really bad fit, I would avoid it. But again, if you go back to the bell curve, you're going to find that two thirds of the people are going to be somewhere in the middle. And while it would be great to have 600 inquiries a year and only have to book six events, the fact is most wedding pros aren't doing that. They aren't getting that much demand and, and only needing that few events. And so if you do need to work with people who are not ideal but still pretty good clients, maybe they check the boxes on, you know, two out of three of the criteria, or maybe they're 80 or 90% on the dial for each one of those, you know, price personality portfolio, but they're not a hundred percent. You still want to work with them. I mean, you're, you're a business, right? This isn't where you get to pick and choose everything in life. Sometimes you got to take customers that aren't perfect. And so you do have to work with them. I think most, most wedding pros do. And when you do work with them, you know, your job is to try and find a middle ground where, you know, you recognize, okay, they're not going to be ideal clients, set your own expectations that it's not going to be perfect and recognize that you can still solve that problem for them and they can still pay you money. And you can then hope to make some sort of connection with them in a way that's meaningful for both you and for them. And then you conclude the transaction and you move on and, and hope for a better client next time in that, working relationship, I find that most people will find success with uh, stretching to a communication style or approach that is going to best match that client. So oftentimes you find that it's a personality fit that, that ends up emerging. And personality fit is just another way of saying that you aren't meshing with communication styles. It's one of the reasons why we focus so much on buyer types Buyer types is really an extension and based off of communication preferences that I learned from my executive coach nearly a decade ago. But as you know, Katie, we actually apply communication preferences to the client experience as well as the buying journey. And so if you can learn to shape your workflow and your approach to working with different clients in different ways, I think that you'll find that you're going to see better outcomes for them and a better experience for you along the way. It's not changing what it is that you're doing. You're still providing the same product or and service for them. It's just how you're communicating what it is that you're doing or how you're exchanging information along the way. That's, that's what style stretching is.
1: It's similar to, or maybe even the same as mirroring, which you talk about quite a bit.
0: It is. Yeah. And and what happens when you mirror people is that you're just choosing to pick up on the mannerisms or tone of voice or cadence or word choice that somebody's using. You're not losing who you are. You're not you're not changing who you are. You're just sh- surfacing and showcasing certain parts of you or picking to use a common language that they understand. If you don't speak the same language as somebody, it's going to be really hard to have a conversation. If you're speaking Spanish and they're speaking you know, French, then you're not going to be able to agree on anything. You're not going to be able to understand each other at all. A tree is a tree is a tree. Whether you call it the Spanish word for tree or the French word for tree or the Japanese word for tree, the tree is still the same. You doing the same thing for your clients is is going to be consistent no matter what. But what you call it and what they call it might be different. And if you want them to understand what you're doing better, you might look at changing the words that you use or the language that you use to communicate that. How you say it is is different than 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 what you're doing.
1: I was going to be super impressed if you literally translated the word "tree" live in the different languages. Sam is learning Italian right now, so I thought maybe <laughs> throw out some
0: uh, <laughs> some translation Si, si capisco, italiano.
1: So we've talked a little bit about how to kind of communicate with the ideal client when they're on their website we've we've mentioned that a couple of times but outside of the website how and where do you connect with ideal clients
0: so before people are on your website they have to hear about you and this is brand awareness so one of the things that you want to focus on is connecting with your ideal client where they're hanging out most clients period including your ideal client are hanging out on social media And so that's where you're going to go and look for them. And what you want to do is you want to think about how you can communicate what their biggest desires or concerns are in three different ways, through style, through story, and through psychology. And so you're going to want to pick images and write captions that are going to reflect the style that they see in themselves and they want for their wedding. You are going to tell stories that communicate that style and also trigger the psychological desires, the biggest emotional desires that they have. And and those could be uh, a sense of connection with other people. It could be, you know, indulging in life's celebrations. It could be getting recognition from other people. It could be freedom and independence to go your own way and experience life the way that you want to, or something else. But I tend to find it's one of those or two of those four things. So, If you can portray that style, story, and psychology in the images, in the copy, the captions, uh, and then bring them in with easy calls to action to your website, you're going to see a lot more positive traffic from ideal clients on your site. That's one of the big things that people can do is start with a better buyer in mind when they're in your online storefront. It will help get more of them to your inbox.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because I think so many wedding professionals, at least that I talk to, aren't exactly sure what to share on social media. Um, They're, you know, they're kind of just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall, honestly. And they're not starting by thinking about who that ideal buyer is, what they probably need to see or what they probably need to read. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Okay, so you've chatted with the ideal buyer <laughs> or you think you've identified them anyways and maybe you haven't chatted with them yet, but there's always those other people lurking under the surface, the mom, the dad, the best friend who's also involved in the decision-making process. Um, how, how, do you, how, do, how do they kind of factor into all of this ideal buyer conversation?
0: You know, this is what makes selling wedding services so hard. It's not just one person that you're trying to get to buy the product or service that you offer. It's two, maybe even as many as three or four or five people who are actively involved in making the decision. And so everybody's got different desires and concerns. And we know that opposites tend to attract. And that is very true in relationships. And so... What's interesting about this is if you look at ideal clients, their partner could be your worst nightmare because they're, they're the opposite of them. It's unlikely that they have opposite desires or concerns. They may have different ones, but their communication style is very likely to be opposite of what it is that your ideal client, or at least the person that you've been talking with. And when you throw you know, maybe mom and dad or BFF in the mix, it gets really, really convoluted. And so one of the things that you've got to stay focused on is thinking about what each person's desires and concerns are. And so just as you go through and you look at your ideal client's desires and concerns, you would want to look at what your ideal client's partner's desires and concerns look like. What do their parents' desires and concerns look like? And when you go through and you can understand all of those, then you know that there's likely in the background lurking an influencer on the decision that you have to connect with in ways that are important for them. And so I recommend sussing them out as soon as you can in the discovery process when people inquire making sure that your website has specific content that is directed at them uh, with with messages, so secondary messages that are directed at them. And then also, really, really importantly, in the proposal, you want to make sure that the proposal, which is going to be read by every single one of the decision makers, you want to make sure that that is dialed in to speak to not just your ideal client, but maybe even more so the person who's helping make the ideal client's decision with them. So... You know, we talk a lot about how important the website is. We talk a lot about how important the sales process is. More than anything, your sales proposal needs to be on point and do the selling for you. And so you've got to bake in there all sorts of deep psychological triggers that are going to make you connect, allow you to connect with everybody who's reading that proposal.
1: So good. So important and so true. I'm so glad you brought all of that up. Well, this was fun, Sam. Thank you so much. But before we go, tell us a little bit about the new mastermind that I know you have in the works. It's called, I believe, Social and Sway.
0: It is. It is called Social and Sway. Yeah. So social is for the social media. Sway is for persuasion and sales. Uh, I've teamed up with Persephone, the founder of the Media uh, Socialites. And she and I have been talking for the last few months about how we can partner up and give our shared clients and shared audience the solutions to the problems that we have found that they have. As you know, Katie, you and I have worked for six years and actively uh, you have been leading the copywriting and website team for three and a half years now. And one of the biggest challenges that we run into is that our clients who we do copywriting and sales coaching for don't get enough traffic to their website that is a big problem and mean, you and i got into copywriting in the first place because my sales coaching clients weren't getting enough inquiries so we're like okay let's go upstream and let's let's get more people from the website to the inbox And, and that's helped. We've, we've helped 200 plus clients over the last three and a half years. And there's still more work to do upstream. And one of the things that we know very well is that you let experts be experts in their field. Uh, You and I have a combined it seems like century of experience in, <laughs> in sales and writing, but, but we don't have any experience really in social media. And so I've had my eye on this need for years now, literally years. And I thought, well, maybe we'll hire somebody. Maybe we'll become experts at it ourselves. But it seemed way more likely that we were going to find the kind of success that our clients needs by just partnering up and collaborating with somebody who was already really, really, really good at doing that and had an entire organization set up for that. And so when Persephone and I talked uh, back in the fall of 2022, we thought, well, how can we be a left hand and a right hand for each other? And, you know, her clients need to have their success after people Get to the website after they get to the inbox. She was generating a lot of traffic with uh, social media and the, the other marketing work that her that her clients needed from her. But then her clients were a little bit lost sometimes in what to do, uh, or the website wasn't working effectively. And so, you know, the mastermind that we created is an opportunity for. Premium and luxury service providers in the wedding industry to get both sides of what they need to attract more ideal clients to their website and then book more ideal clients once they get into the sales process. And so it's a, a yin and a yang, um, you know, a left and a right hand that are going to guide our clients, the people who are in the mastermind to uh, attract and book more of the people they want to work with.
1: That's so cool. I have not heard of anything else like this. And what I love about it is, you know, I often talk with my clients about the idea of, you know, you have to meet your client where they are in the buyer's journey. And there's these different stages of awareness. And it sounds to me like this is a program that's taking them from unaware Uh, or problem aware all the way to most aware, ready to buy. And that's just really cool. So it's, it's attracting them and figuring out how to book them, which is unbelievable.
0: It is, and you know I know some of you are listening, and you're like, but Katie probably knows a ton about this, but she actually doesn't. You know, like like what i what I just described, you know, Katie and i we we are like a left and a right hand for our own business where you know my my role is in one place and her role is in another. we, we find that our marriage works best, um like that, where we don't poke each other's noses <laughs> and talk too much shop. Um, and so you know i'm I've really developed this mastermind with Persephone. Um, and, and Katie hasn't actually been that involved. Um, you know, I've, I've come up with the concept. I've developed the marketing material and the promotional material. I've written all the copy for the emails and our, our, our information page and all of that stuff on our own. And K- Katie's actually learning about this in real time with you all. Um, in many ways, I just told her the name of the program before we hopped on, for instance. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was I, wondering
1: I, why this Persephone girl was on your calendar every day. I started <laughs> I She's awesome. I'm really I'm excited yeah. that this is happening.
0: So yeah. But what I what I will tell you, kind of uh, building on what you just said about how this is, you know, the, taking people through the buyer's journey, taking the clients through the buyer's journey from the early stage of awareness to you know signing the deal. That's really what this mastermind does. I had I have always shied away from doing a mastermind because I'm I'm not. I'm not about community, you know, in the sense that like hanging out for the sake of hanging out and doing joint work together, like that's that's one way, and I and I love that there are people who do that and 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 companies that offer that kind of service. I think for for a certain kind of um, client, that's awesome. For a certain type of wedding pro, that's awesome, um, but I haven't found in in our audience up until recently the need to have so much content digested that it takes a longer period of time and so you know last year we did the catapult program which was very immersive it was one month of uh sales training hardcore advanced sales training and and we did you know a lot of work and it was actually a little bit too much in in a in a short time period and so i thought okay well maybe we'll expand it to three months And as I was going through and considering Catapult for this winter, uh, I thought, well, okay, we can do it in, you know, maybe a three-month program, six-month program. But then I started talking with Persephone, and and she added in, you know, this whole other component of material that needed to be discussed and and learned and applied. And so it made sense to actually look at doing a traditional 12-month mastermind. And, and so that's why we ended up creating something. I wouldn't say I've been against masterminds. I just haven't, I haven't seen the need for our company to do one, but this is, this is something this attract and book ideal clients is not something you can do overnight. It's not something you can do in a month or three months. It it requires time, not just to learn it, but to apply it. And so, you know, we're, we're really creating a a different kind of experience than our clients have had in the past and Persephone's clients uh, have ever had.
1: So cool. So cool. When does um, when does enrollment open? When can people start to sign up?
0: So we're at we're, we're right there. We are right there. And so mm-hmm, we are. We have uh,
1: Again, I really am learning this in real time. I'm like, amazing.
0: <laughs> well, if you if you ask me, where are we at with all our copywriting projects? I would go. I don't know. I got to talk to Katie. Um, it, it's the same way that, that, that you are with me on this stuff. So so the the program is is starting January 30th. We open up enrollment. We're open for a week. And uh we're you know we're doing a twelve month program, and there's a lot going on. We do have a curriculum that builds on each thing that we learn, each thing that we do. And so it's something that needs to be joined in the beginning for it to be as successful as possible. The way that it's structured is that we'll have uh, two times a month mini master classes. What's really cool is that that's where most masterminds stop or many masterminds stop is doing, you know, every other week or, or you know, once a month or even weekly, uh, you know, meetings or conversations or group coaching. We have so much more that's being done. We have uh, done for you services that are a part of this. So each month there'll be something that's done like our team will create a brand strategy or a positioning report for a client. Um, Persephone's team may actually create social media content to distribute. Um, There might be edits that are done to create reels or TikToks. Uh, We're going to go through and do audits for the marketing uh, process. So social media audits and website audits. We're going to go through and, and, and inspect every single part of the sales process and help you evaluate the success of your, your packages and pricing. So we're going to optimize every point along the buyer's journey. We're also going to offer a bunch of templates and guides and video tutorials that people can use on their own. And so we're going to drip out this content, both, both the, the information and, and education part of it, and also the done for you component uh, so that uh, it's done in a digestible way and so we're we're going to start up the actual education and done for you services in february and it'll it'll run a 12 month cycle through until january of 2024
1: so is the only time you can sign up in february early february of this year
0: that that's what we have in mind right now you know we're we're kicking around the idea you know, we think that the first six months is going to be marketing. The second six months will be sales. Um, you know, we know that that'll be a nice natural pause in the buyer's journey, or at least point at which people might be able to enter. So we might consider doing something, you know, say in July or like August of next year uh, or later of this year. Um, but that's still not, not for sure. We'll see. It's our first go with this. So we're kind of figuring out what, you know, what it's going to be like in inside of the, the education system that we have set up and designed. But right now it looks like, you know, January 30th for a week is what we've got going.
1: You know, I always, when I, when I talk to clients, I always hear them say, I want to have my marketing and sales process dialed in. And so what I'm hearing you say is that you are going to become an expert at marketing and sales for your own business by the end of this experience, which is incredible.
0: It, it is. You know, it, it, I, I really do think it is. You know, this, it took us six years to get to the point where we're like, okay, great. Here's how we can do a comprehensive upgrade for not just sales, but also marketing for a business. You know, we have a lot of clients that listen to the podcast. We have a lot of people that get our services or Persephone's services. And you know how it is. Sometimes it's like drinking from a fire hose when you have all that information coming to you. This is episode, you know, 74, for instance, in our podcast. We put out 1,400 hours worth of content, or sorry, 1,400 minutes worth of content last year alone. You know, we do a weekly newsletter. There's 50,000 words that I wrote in the newsletter for 2022 alone. And we've done this for five years, six years. So there's so much information. And really what this is, is a curriculum that people can can go from start to finish. It's like going through a, a class. Over the course of a year and it, it follows the buyer's journey. Um, you know, it gives you time to learn it, but also implement it. And that's pretty exciting. It, it is a step by step, not just how to do it, but also the, the tools to do it yourself or the guidance to do it with you. And sometimes when you're frankly not going to be able to do it yourself because you're not good enough and you never will be, or at least it'll take you thousands of hours worth of, you know, practice to get really, really good at it. We're just going to do it for you. And so there's that mix of all three, you know, uh, d- done with you, done for you, and, and do it yourself.
1: And do it right. I think that's the other part. It's the uh, attendees of this mastermind or the participants will know that it's done right. They won't have to look to other resources, um, which I know is always something that they struggle with. It's like they're cobbling together ideas from all these different groups. And instead, it's like in this one setting, you're going to know that you're doing your marketing and your sales right.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. From they never heard of you to you just got money in your deposit, that everything in the middle is something that's going to be covered on this. And and that's it. There's no general business. There's no creativity. There's no mindset. It is all marketing and sales. That's it.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to sign up, go to the show notes. Uh, we've got we've got a link to our information page, and you can find out more specifics about it and express interest in it or sign up for it. Uh, if you're listening to this and enrollment is open, uh, reach out directly to me. You can DM me on Instagram, uh, or you can email me Sam at IDActionConsulting.com. Um, you know, send up smoke signals, carrier pigeons. Our address is six three four. I kid, I kid. But but seriously, reach out. Um, you know, we're we're so uh, excited about this. We know the content is going to be so good. Um, you know, we're asking for a one year commitment. Uh, if for any reason after two months you feel like you know, it's, it's overhyped and, you know, we, we over and underdelivered, then you're, you know, free to leave the program with no strings attached. We're that confident that if you start the program, you will see the value in it and you will start to see the kind of results that you need for your business. So, uh, we, we hope to see you in, in the, in the mastermind. Uh, we know that this is going to be incredible and, uh, we, uh, we, we can't wait to see the success that our clients are going to have. Boom. That's it for this episode on own your business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know, I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we would settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through.